This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. The deal you've been waiting for is on now. Ford employee pricing. Details at MetroMotors.com. Time to go rink wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Berg and Andrew Wadden. Rinkwide is on your radio. It's the show that always scores. J.D. Burke alongside myself, Andrew Wadden. Two hours of the best hockey coverage in the city. And J.D., what a week. Uh, well, what a road trip for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, we, we we're going to definitely start with Canuck Talk. And, but what a last few weeks as well for hockey. Yeah, you know, yeah no kidding. Don Cherry... Yep. Right, which was like I, I got so I, I was exhausted, like mentally exhausted at the end of the week with the Don Cherry stuff. Then I the, made a lot of friends yeah, through that week. Yeah, uh, you got friends. Yeah, uh, Mike Babcock the week after, and I, I know it's not on the same scale in terms of you know what the complexity of the story was, but it's still you know the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is you know big news, and of course you know Team Canada's head coach as well. Yep. Then we get this Bill Peters stuff, and it's like. Wow, this is incredible. But we are going to talk about all of that stuff uh, in just a moment. We'll start with the Canucks, but uh, let's let you guys know what's in store for today's show. In the second segment of the show, we're going to talk to Kristen Anderson. Uh, she's from the Calgary Sun. She covers the Flames uh, for the paper. And, and, you know, full disclosure, I've never uh, spoken to Kristen before. I wanted a new perspective on this. We've heard from a lot of the regular people this week, J.D., and I wanted to get a different perspective and hear... Uh, what Kristen has to say, and of course she's been writing about it uh, extensively for the Calgary Sun, so we'll hear from her. That'll be around a 1.30 JD's Manifesto in the first hour as well. Mm -hmm. Then we have our end of the month roundtable. Now we usually bring in two guests and it's usually our friends from The Athletic, yep. whether it's Harmon Dial, uh, Wyatt Arndt or Thomas Drance. Drancer couldn't join us today. Coward. Uh, so we, uh, <laughs> we, we we weren't <laughs> able to get Drance in. Uh, Wyatt Arndt, of course, uh, from The Athletic and the Trust the Process uh, show on Save On Radio. He's going to join us for the last hour. We might get another guest in. We'll see what happens, but we're going to yep. do our end of the uh, uh, end of the month roundtable where we kind of take everything that the Canucks uh, happened throughout the month of November, not a great month uh, for the Canucks, and uh, dissect it all. Of course, the Canucks facing off against uh, the Edmonton Oilers tonight. We do have our code word that we're going to release as well, the Wired Snowboards, which has become an annual thing now, a Christmas giveaway. The good folks at Wired are giving us a snowboard again to give away so we will release the code word a little later on in the hour and if you were listening to sports saturday hint hint uh it's pretty close <laughs> the same word actually it's the same word uh so if you weren't then you're going to want to keep listening here as well uh jd your thoughts on how this road trip has gone for the canucks because i just spoke to jeff patterson uh, uh on sports saturday and tried to get him to explain this the canucks throughout this road trip either score six goals or one goal. <laughs> like, how do you explain that uh, with this team uh, throughout this, you know, basically their toughest stretch of, uh, so far this year? Well, it's it's been kind of a, a perfect
storm for the Canucks, right? I mean, you want to talk about injuries. I think you can start there and you can look at the way that the absence of Jay Beagle in particular and to a lesser extent, Brandon Sutter has forced the Canucks to play Bo Horvat in less than ideal scenarios, upwards of 20 plus minutes a night with regularity. And what we're starting to see is that he can't remain as productive as we'd hope in those scenarios. Further to that end, I think the goaltending hasn't done the Canucks any favors and frankly, I don't feel comfortable putting all of the blame at their feet. We're talking about a team that's been outshot by what, like a two or three to one margin in their last uh, three games. So obviously they're not playing to the degree necessary to win hockey games, but I don't think they're getting bailed out by their goaltenders anymore. And I think that's what's kind of creating this this kind of sense of a team that's falling apart here. Because, I mean, you look at the, the last game that the Canucks played against the Pittsburgh Penguins, Thatcher Demko plays, I, I don't know, like an NHL average goaltender, they win that hockey game. And you talk about the Capitals one a few weeks back. Jacob Markstrom plays like an NHL average goaltender. They win that hockey game. So you're talking about the first game against the Capitals. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 that's kind of been the story of the Canucks November is that they can't seem to get everything on the right page at the yeah. right time. And there's nobody who has emerged as a savior. And towards the end of last year, that savior was Jacob Markstrom on more nights than than not. At the beginning of last year, that savior was Elias Pettersson on more nights than not. And they just haven't had that player emerge yet. And I think that there's a lot of stress being put on this team. We heard about how deep they were ahead of the season. Well, I think we're getting a bit of a reality check here because I think a deep team doesn't react to two injuries to two fairly comparable players this way. And we're not talking about them losing Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, Chris Tanev, or even Alexander Edler. We're talking about Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter. We're talking about a sheltered third-line scoring center, because that's what Brandon Sutter was playing as this year. Obviously, he had a great deal of utility on the penalty kill as well. I don't want to understate his impact there. And part of the minutes uh, issue right now with Bo Horvath in particular relates to the fact that they need him to eat up those penalty kill minutes, whereas they were trying to ease him out of that role whenever they had the chance. Same thing with Jay Beagle. We're talking about a shutdown center who eats a lot of tough minutes. These are not franchise players. And what we're seeing is that this Canucks team might not be as deep as we once thought. And I think that's been the driving force behind this losing streak, or not this streak, but this losing stretch. What are your thoughts on Louis Erickson playing with uh, on Bo Horvat's line and scratching Nick Nick Dobin, and not only that, at the expense of Sven Berchi, who's now back down in Utica. Well, I think the Sven Berchi move, I, I didn't see a lot of people bring this up, but the thing you have to consider is that there is a certain amount of days on the roster, a certain amount of games played, where they have an allotment for Sven Berchi, and up until that point, he doesn't have to clear waivers to go back down. So I think what the Canucks did is they reached that point with Sven Berchi, and they wanted to avoid having to put him through waivers because they're aware that they're going to need him before the season is over. And I think that is why he's back in Utica. By the way, the Utica Comets are 9-0 and with Sven Berchi in their in their lineup, rather. So I, I, I think that the Goldobin thing, really, when I look at this lineup and I look at the players that they're, they're missing, I look at the pieces that are absent, particularly from the bottom six, I think Travis Green is going, I can no longer play run-and-gun hockey. I can no longer play the style that worked for us through October. I have to react to the environment in front of me. And Louis Erickson gives us a better shot in our defensive zone than, than Nikolai Goldobin does. And I think that's where he finds himself with this lineup in this moment. Yeah, but don't you think that it's going to be, you know, 
You might see a couple of shifts where Erickson skates on the line and then he just gets stapled to the bench and then they just start putting the lines back in a blender. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But I could also see a scenario just playing devil's advocate here where the Canucks get another injury in their forward core and they need somebody who they can rely on to at least not get killed at, f- at five on five. Yeah. And I think that Erickson's going to give them a better bet than Nikolai Goldobin, who frankly, look, I'm Goldobin agnostic. Like I'm, I'm not fighting the Goldobin wars anymore. Like I, I did my tour of du- duty last season, and I'm done. But here's what I will say: He had an opportunity with good line mates, and he played like crap. His line was significantly outshot when he was on the ice in his nine minutes, and I can't remember a single play that Goldobin did in that game. So at a certain point, he's got to, as our good friend Jeff Patterson would say, do something. Do something. Yeah, he's got to do something. Yeah. And so he didn't when he had that shot, and I think he's suffering that now. And I think it's one of those instances where I really do sympathize with the coach for the roster decisions that he has to make with this team in front of him. Well, speaking of do something, the uh, baby uh, Canucks, the Utica Comets, uh, topped the Toronto Marlies today by a score of 4-3. And guess who was doing something out there? Sven Berchi. Sven Berchi, of course. A goal and an assist. I mean, we know Sven Berchi is an NHL player playing oh, 100%. in the NHL. But hey, look at this as well. As I, as I peruse the uh, the box score here, Cole Lind, a goal and an assist today. I mean, here's a guy, perhaps, we could see at some point this season. I don't think so. I think they want to keep him on track. And yeah. I think you look at what happened last year. Let's put it this way. If he started this season the way that he played most of last year, I think the Canucks as an organization would start to be worrying about whether they've lost him or not. And so I think they've got him on track, and I think they're going to want to keep him on track for as long as they can. And I think that means giving him a consistent environment, consistent line mates, consistent opportunities at the AHL level this season so that he's better prepared for when they need him a year or two from now. Now, Antoine Roussel, of course, playing with the uh, Utica Comets, had himself an assist today. How big is the impact? going to be when Roussel comes back, especially, I mean, because you're trotting out Louis Erickson here for because this is the only guy that can do the little things as, you know, steal a line from Botch. Oh, and he does um, them so well. Oh, so well. So yeah. well. I mean, he just, you know, those nine minutes of uh, of ice time he gets, wow, he just, you know, blows me away. And of course, I'm saying it tongue-in-cheek. Uh, but uh, Antoine Roussel, how, I mean, we talk about the you know, the impacts of, you know, say a Jay Beagle, Brandon Sutter, I know that kind of sounds funny to say that, but I mean, the way they are right now. They're feeling those losses, man. Exactly. So what about Antoine Roussel then? You know who misses Antoine Roussel the most? Bo Horvat. Those two were excellent together last season. And you look at the rotating cast of people that are going uh, in and out of his flanks. That's probably got a lot to do with the fact that, that Bo Horvat's been unable to kind of get going to the level that he was at last season. And I think once they get Antoine Roussel, they can finally provide Bo Horvat with some stability. They can provide him with somebody who can cover defensively, and they can provide him with somebody who's going to bring a little sandpaper on every shift. I think Antoine Roussel, look, I didn't criticize the contract at the time. You can even check my article on it. I was quite fond of that signing, and I think everything he did last season is a good window into why. Yeah, and, I, and I think he's going to do that again this year for the Canucks as well. Yeah, that July 1st, two years ago, that was the, o- that was the only one where I I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay with this one. You know, because he's got some sandpaper at his age, all that. It was that. about market value, too. Yeah. It was the only one where it was like, yeah, no, I, I could see another team having signed I've, that deal. I have heard from a, a creditable source that Jay Beagle was offered a PTO from another team the year that the Canucks signed him for four years. Anyway. I, I, I don't even know about that one, to be honest. I mean, like, I'm not 
negating what your source is saying, but that just seems weird to me because, I mean, we know the Canucks had some competitors in the Jay Beagle sweepstakes, right? I don't think there was as many as... Not, not many. I don't nobody think, throwing them four years, that's nobody for Nobody was sure. throwing them four years. I agree. Look, I, I'm and totally like left, on board. He left the Stanley Cup champion team as the fourth-line center to go to the Canucks as the fourth-line center. And it was clearly yep. a money thing. It had to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And then they signed Nick Dowd, who's become a much better fourth-line center exactly. on the veteran minimum. I mean, it might, that might have something to do with the fact that he's playing with the Washington Capitals as well. Yeah, right? well, he did better in those minutes than Jay Beagle did when he was with the Capitals. Sure. And I've spoken to some people within the Capitals organization who agree that they're better off with Dowd in that spot. But, I mean, look... Doesn't change what I said earlier. The Canucks still miss Jay Beagle. Okay, let's walk around the NHL. Uh, Croker, drop the puck. Time to drop the puck and get updated on the top stories of the past week. So clearly the biggest story was Bill Peters, and we are going to get to all of that when we talk to uh, Kristen Anderson from the Calgary Sun uh, in Calgary. So, be you know, let's just touch on it ever so lightly here. Your thoughts on how the whole thing went down and the fact that, um, you know, Peters resigned and wasn't, you know, essentially fired by the Flames. Well, I think political correctness is going a little bit too far here. And cancel culture, I got to tell you guys, I'm sick of it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, people. Don't worry. I, I think that this is something of a reckoning for hockey, but I also don't think that we're at the place where we need to be. And you look at what happened when Brent Sopel talked about Mark Crawford last year and some of the horrible names that were thrown his way at the end of a training camp with, I believe, the Ottawa Senators, if the story I'm remembering is correct. Well, I, it wasn't that long ago that we read that and we were like, ha, 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 this is just old school hockey, right? We need to change the culture. I think this is a good step in the right direction, but... You know, how much are we talking about what we need to do for hockey in the wake of Don Cherry's firing two weeks after the fact, right? Sure. And and I think that this is one of those instances where we'll see how long this actually matters for. Okay. And and for me, it's going to matter forever. It's mattered before the Bill Peters issue, yeah. and it's going to keep mattering uh, for as long as I have a platform in the hockey world. But I am just I'm skeptical about how the hockey community as a whole will react. You grew up in the big city, right? That is correct. Yeah, so whereas I'm from a town of like 3,000, which predominantly all my friends were were white, yeah. you know, uh, outside of, you know, a handful of guys. I didn't play hockey with anyone of color while I was growing up, not until I actually started to play a little higher level in, 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 in sort of bigger uh, town, basically, mm-hmm. right? But uh, can you relate to that at all in your minor hockey days? Oh, man. I mean, when I, when I get into the manifesto, I think some of you are going to be horrified by the environments I had to play in as a kid because I'm going to relay some of those stories and you know we talk about the Bill Peters incident being about 10 years ago well I stopped playing minor hockey about 10 years ago and I can speak to very similar occurrences in the locker rooms that I was a part of all right well we look forward to that the manifesto will be uh, later on in the hour Uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about coaching changes right now because thank you Um, the the Babcock like who I said this on Sports Saturday I believe I said it in crossover with Tom Mayanek who would have predicted at the start of this season that the two uh, head coaches to get fired first this year would be Mike Babcock in Toronto and Bill Peters in Calgary. Now, I understand the Bill Peters thing is completely different. A little different. But, like, let's, yeah. let's just take that uh, that that out of it, he was still on a hot seat there. Well, yes, for sure. And I think that that made the decision that much easier. I don't know if it was the driving force, but... Believe me, nobody in that front office was saying, well, we need to keep him around for our team's success. So there wasn't that argument happening there. The Mike Babcock thing for me is like the the more I thought about the playoffs last year, I just kept thinking about the fact that he got 
he got uh, his his butt handed to him. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the A word. But uh, in the coaching matchup, he lost. I mean, three minutes left to go in Game 7, and Patrick Marlowe was on the ice. He couldn't even get a PTO this September. He couldn't even get a PTO. It took injuries to San Jose for him to sign at the veteran minimum. And that's who Mike Babcock had out on the ice with the season on the line instead of Austin Matthews. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought, you know, maybe he's not as good of a coach as we think. Yeah. No, yeah, because like yeah. that's that's unforgivable yeah. to me. Like if I was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, like certain people that I work with, that would just drive me up the wall. It did. Uh, I I think I you know was a little rose colored lenses and, and a little be bit fanboyish to 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 admit. Oh, you know, Babcock, but I mean, this he's got such a resume, this and that. And then after things sort of started to snowball this season, that's when things really started to shine through for me. And I was like, no, they, they have to make a move here. And it's quite obvious what's happening right now. The team's playing completely different. I mean, they, they, they all sound so happy. Too. Exactly. Like, have you heard everybody in that locker room the last well, week? And Halford and Bruff used to do the Babcock versus Matthews stuff. And, and honestly, yeah, that, and that whole like, uh, get in the Matthews. car, I, I mean, that was that's some of Bruff's finest work. Uh, but I always was like, oh, yeah, right. As if there's actually a rift between these guys. But listen, there was. There was. And look at Tyson Berry. He looks like a guy that who's had the handcuffs taken off of him. He's, you know, being the Tyson Berry. Like, Tyson Berry is going to be a liability in his own zone. He's like that. He was like that in Colorado. He's been like that pretty much his whole career. However, when you unleash him offensively, I mean, this is a guy that, as he's proven, he can be a 60-point guy. Perhaps he'll be a Vancouver Canuck next year. I know there's all kinds of rumors that he might want to come out here. Uh, we'll see about that. But as far as coaching changes are concerned, so we've got Babcock gone now. We've got uh, Bill Peters gone now. Of course, different circumstances, of course. But I've got my eye on two coaches right now. Claude Julian in Montreal, and they're tied at two right now with Philly. They've lost six straight, and they're sputtering. And this could be one of those moments right now where they need someone like the Babcock. I don't know if there's a division in their room at all. I'm just sort of speculating on that. But, you know, you lose six straight, possibly a seven straight here for Montreal. That's not going to fly well because we know Toronto's a big market. Montreal is just as hockey crazy as anybody else in Canada. So I got my eye on Julian. I also got my eye on Jeff Blaschel in Detroit. They've lost, uh, what, seven, eight straight I believe it is? Uh, eight straight games right now. They're facing off the tough one uh, home to Washington tonight. They're currently the last place team in the NHL right now. Uh, could we see a couple more coaches cha- coaching changes happening? I don't think we're going to see a coaching change in any of those locales, and I think the reason why even we're, in Detroit, even in Detroit, because I mean, Steve Eiserman is is taking the long view. Like you look at all of his moves. I mean, this is somebody who is committed to the rebuild. He's brought parts of his scouting staff with him from Tampa Bay. I think that he has a total long term view. And maybe they don't make the the change in season. I wouldn't write it off for in the summer though. And the thing is, like if they finish with the worst record in the NHL, I don't think Steve Eiserman is going to lose sleep. He's going to go awesome. I've got the best shot at either Quinton Byfield or Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah, everybody talks about this draft. You're dialed in because you work for Elite Prospects. I'm a, I'm familiar with Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere? Lafreniere. Lafreniere is what I was saying before. Uh, so I'm familiar with him, but who else would there be there outside of the other name that you just gave? 
There would be Lucas Raymond, I think, is somebody who could work his way into that conversation. And I would also keep my eyes on Anton Lundell and Jamie Drysdale. I mean, those players round out the top five on Elite Prospects Rinkside. We just put out our first round. You can check that out at EPRinkside.com. Awesome franchise player talents in that realm. All right. On the other side, we're going to head to Calgary. We're going to talk to Kristen Anderson from the Calgary Sun. And I'm going to ask her, listen, even before this stuff happened with Bill Peters, was there any sort of fra- uh, a friction going on in the Flames dressing room between the players and Bill Peters? All that on the other side. It's rink wide. It's a show that always scores. And it's on TSN 1040. Stay instant on the Insta. Follow at TSN underscore 1040 on Instagram. Enter contests. Watch behind-the-scenes videos and more. (laughs) Well, you ended up getting... Sorry, I was going to say you ended up getting Rasmus Anderson out of that old deal. So uh, uh, not not bad, considering that uh, he looks like he's going to be the kind of D-man that's going to be with the Flames for the next uh, uh, many years now. Well, Sven Berchi, uh well, is back in Utica for the Canucks. So, uh, But we're not here to talk about Sven Berchi. We're here to talk about the uh, uh, Bill Peters situation. Of course, Kristen uh, from the Calgary uh, Sun in uh, Calgary uh, covers the Flames extensively. Been reading some of your work uh, on the, in the uh, Calgary Sun this week. Uh, um, just put this week into perspective for you as a journalist. Uh, Might have been, or must be, one of the biggest weeks that you've, you know, you've ever had. Yeah, it's certainly been a, a really whirlwind week, and I can only imagine what's happening um, internally with the Calgary Flames, just in terms of what they've had to deal with and the processes that they've had to take, and all of the information that has had to been relayed to the public, but also internally to their stakeholders, to owners and and everything it's yeah this whole month has been just a ridiculous amount of um drama and uh lots of things have happened this month for the calgary flames they've struggled on ice and then of course if if anybody remembers the tj brody super scary incident um he collapsed at practice and has went through convulsions his body went through some convulsions and was rushed away to the hospital so he's back and then of course uh the flames had a closed door meeting in St. Louis after they were blown out. And then this week has just been a pretty, a really sad week, really, like in a lot of ways, um, just with the state of hockey and, and just kind of shining a light on some issues that, you know, maybe we didn't really think about before, um, especially, uh, obviously, was what, what, what has happened with Bill Peters this week. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty whirlwind week. It was yesterday, Bill Peters um, submitted his resignation letter to the Calgary Flames and they accepted it. And that sort of put an end to what has been a long saga of internal investigations and um, just uncovering some you know, details Brad Trillivings had to be had to be in communication with a number of different um, members in, uh, of the Rockford Ice Hogs organization and Chicago Blackhawks organization and Carolina Hurricanes so it's yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure everybody's looking forward to tomorrow being the start of a new month, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, was there any friction in the dressing room between the players and the coach before all this stuff happened? Yeah, I've gotten that question a lot, actually, and it's so hard to answer because we in the media don't see everything, and we only see one side of um, the players and the coaching staff, and obviously we deal with them every day, and, and then we're in the dressing room, and you, you know you have to be a little bit observant to those types of issues, but I, I never really saw... Um, any conflict or any tension between Bill Peters and players like 
there was times I went, like, he's a very intense guy. He's a very, very intense coach, a very intense person. He's, he's so analytical when it comes to the game. Um, so sometimes, like, communication isn't necessarily his strongest suit. And um, obviously that was the case, I, you know, I think with, with this whole, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just been pretty, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge. It's hard to get a sense of if there was a lot of friction, if he didn't get along with players, but certainly there was some tense times, I would say, dealing with him with, as a member of the media. And I'm sure there was some tense times between one-on-one conversations that we had with players, but I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's hard on his players. And, and we saw that. And um, obviously the physical abuse allegations, uh, there's no place in the game for that. And then the racial slurs that he um, said when he was dealing with Akeem Alou, um, referring to his choice of music when they the two were in the Rockford ITOGS organization. Obviously, there's no place for that in the game either. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say there was... And then Brad Schilling obviously did an investigation as well in terms of asking his players if there had been any um, situations that they felt uncomfortable with Bill Peters and there hadn't been. So, um, yeah, it's it's... It's a pretty sad situation, i got to say. We're speaking to Kristen Anderson from the Calgary Sun. Hey, Kristen. I, I wanted to ask you a question about how the players have reacted to this. I mean, it's it's a really difficult situation. I know that Oliver Shillington, for example, has, defe- has had to field some very uncomfortable questions, and I don't begrudge the reporters for asking it in the slightest, but... I mean, how has the room kind of taken this news? I mean, they, they've had to serve under him for, for quite some time now, and that's a really, really difficult situation for them to be in. How hard has it been for the players to just focus and go about their business with all this going on yeah, in the you, background? Oh, yeah, you raise a, total, a really good point. Like, I, I can't imagine what it's like for some of the younger players that really haven't gone through a lot of adversity in their lives or in their careers and um and this is a pretty tough one like this is a really um it transcends hockey it's obviously been such a big hockey story this week uh, the whole world sort of watching what what the message was going to be from the calgary flames and so for the players i think it's been i think it's been tough emotionally it's been difficult this month has been a really a real roller coaster um this week has been an incredibly hard ride um i think the good thing is is the guy that they have in place right now in the interim head coach jeff ward is a perfect person for this job right now in terms of maintaining a sense of calmness over the waters he's taken over teams in similar type situations not obviously this 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 serious of a situation but he's taken over teams where there's been turmoil um off the ice uh he took over the ahl the AHL uh, Hamilton Bulldogs in 2002-2003 when Michelle Therrien was fired in in Montreal and then Claude Julien was hired. So he took that team to the Calder Cup finals that year and was named the AHL head coach. So um, he's He's a good communicator. He's he's really uh, um, perceptive when it comes to players' emotions, and and he takes the time to get to know them and talk to eat all of the players. And he's just a he's he's seen. I mean, from what we've dealt with him from our you know everyday dealings, he's he's a super nice guy. He used to be a school teacher, so he has that basis of communicating with young people, um, and just 
people in general. He's a really experienced coach. He was with the New Jersey Devils organization, and he won a cup in Boston. And then he won a championship um, in Germany as well, too. So he's had a wealth of experience. But you're so right. Like, that is such a such an important part of this whole equation is dealing with the players and how that how they're responding to to all of this. And, and I think the biggest thing for Jeff Ward right now, and he said it yesterday, is just keeping some normal normalcy, like just ma- maintaining the ship and keeping everything calm. And and we kind of saw that yesterday. Actually, they played music during practice. And I thought that was the actually it was so it was so fun. It looked like it was gonna it was gonna be a blast. Um, so that was it. Rasmus Anderson's iPod they put on and played a couple different songs. So I've never heard them play music at practice before. So just really, I think it's a I think there's some. We're going to see a positive story come out of this at the end of the day. And was Rasmus Anderson playing a lot of ABBA, or can you confirm what sort of Swedish music he was playing for the team there? I, I know. We thought that, or like a Vici or some type of Swedish like house-type <laughs> music. No, he had like Queen, he had um, Elton John, there was uh, Run DMC, so he had a, quite an eclectic mix. I guess he's like the resident DJ in the Flames dressing room, depending if they win or lose, so it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but obviously, I mean, I'm making light of this right now, but it's such a, it's been such a serious week. And um, this is a discussion I think that we're going to be having in hockey for, you know, this is kind of a reckoning. I think that's what a lot of people are calling it. But internally, I think that there has to be some lightness when it comes to dealing with the players currently right now. That's that's a really good point. And I think, you know, we've talked about the players, we've talked about the coaches, but I think this kind of thrust uh, Flames general manager Brad Tree living into the spotlight, and I think that he communicated where he was at uh, thoroughly, at the very least. But I'm I'm too removed from the situation to really be able to provide a, a grade or even you know just give my opinion on what he was saying and what information he was relaying and the process itself. How do you come out of this feeling about Brad Tree living uh, his performance in what must have been the most difficult moment of his career and we're actually running a little bit against it so sorry for giving you such a big question with very little time <laughs> oh yeah no worries I'll uh, sum it up quite nicely there's Thank no you. playbook for something like this there's no playbook for something like this and Brad Tree living um, handled it the best he could I think that there's some criticism that he, it took him so long to come out with a decision and an answer uh, there's some criticism of Obviously, the, the, there was no direct maybe apology to Akeem Alou or the uh, player that, that uh, was affected in Carolina. But that, I think there's some legal ramifications there and they had to sort of stay away from stuff like that. And also, keep in mind, this happened when not when Bill Peters was a member or a, a, an employee of the Calgary Flames. So it's, it, it's, it was a different organization. There are two different organizations. These incidents occurred. He did it the best he could is the, is the short answer. I think that he looks professional. He came across. It's sincere, and he was incredibly emotional yesterday, and you could see that. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought he handled it quite well. And I know there's a lot of uh, legality stuff uh, that he had to deal with too. So before they could even do anything, and of course, uh, with Peters resigning, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it as well. Uh, Kristen, thanks for joining us. That was great. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. 
Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great afternoon. You too. Kristen Anderson, uh, Calgary Sun, Calgary Herald. She also works for uh, uh, the NHL and for the Flames as the uh, beat reporter around the Flames. Uh, I wanted to ask her what sort of level of panic there was in Calgary right now. Not just because of, like, you know, what's happened with the head coach, but the fact that here, you know, here's a team that, what, they were the best in the West last year, and now they are, well, right there with the Canucks in terms of uh, outside looking in on a playoff spot. But maybe we'll talk about that in the roundtable when Wyatt Arndt joins us uh, in the second hour. However, coming up, everybody's favorite, JD, gonna give his manifesto. And I would ask what you got for us this week, but I want to save it. It's a little tease here. It's rink-wide. TSN 1040. Keep it locked. The times have changed, clearly. And the stuff that would fly five years ago, much less ten years ago, doesn't in the modern frame of work. Now, we're talking about a different generation of people, of players, of coaches. And as a coach, your primary job is to provide guidance for the people under which you have to take care of on a day-to-day, game-to-game basis. Now, the allegations against Bill Peters, which have been corroborated by multiple sources, whether it is the use of racial slurs against Akeem Aliou or the physical violence meted out against the likes of Mikhail Jordan, that is the Czech version, during his time in the Carolina Hurricanes organization, again, corroborated. Same thing with Mike Babcock, and we're talking about the allegations of emotional abuse as expressed by forcing Mitch Marner to rank the Leafs players from least to hardest working and then confronting said players at the low end of that scale and revealing what Marner had to say about them. These tactics might have worked in the 90s. Who can forget Scotty Bowman getting Pierre Maguire to buddy up with the younger players on the team in the hopes of turning him into a jail yard snitch so that Scotty Bowman could use that information against them. And it worked. It won him Stanley Cups. He's considered the greatest coach in hockey. But malleability is as important a trait as a coach, as a thinker, as a general manager, as a person that you can have. And of course, with the modern framework, these methods aren't going to work. Further to that end, these methods aren't isolated. I played minor hockey as recently as just over a decade ago. And because of the fact that I was playing in Vancouver, it was a diverse field. The environment didn't reflect that diversity. Racial slurs were all too common in the locker rooms that I had to play in. That was just showing up to work. That was showing up to play hockey. You're talking about 13, 14, 15-year-olds. If there was somebody who looked different, you were made to know about it on a day-to-day basis. Not only that, physical violence was encouraged among the coaching staff after games in the form of helmets and gloves, in which two players would be summoned, told to put on their helmets, their gloves, and beat the living crap out of each other until there was only one person standing. I thought me and my brother were the only people that did that. That's a commonality. And that was a commonality in Vancouver Minor when I was playing over 10 years ago. I had to do that once as a goalie in a year during which I had suffered a concussion. That is the state of minor hockey just over 10 years ago. This moment has the opportunity to be a reckoning. And it has to be. The sport has to change. When we came out of the last lockout, the NHL was beating the NBA for ratings. What's happened since? The NBA has become more inclusive. It has welcomed more people to the sport. It has opened its arms and embraced the personalities, the goofy characteristics of its talent, and brought it to the fore. Hockey, meanwhile, has been reclusive, 
regressive and force the very people necessary to grow the sport to the peripheries at every turn. We're talking about women. We're talking about people of color. We're talking about anybody from a disadvantaged community because, yes, there is a class barrier to hockey, the likes of which doesn't exist in most sports. If the sport is to continue, if the sport is to grow, if the sport is to invite new voices that make the experience that much better for everyone involved, we can't have situations like the Bill Peters one from his time with the Rockford Icehawks. We can't have the likes of Akeem Aliou feeling as if he is disenfranchised from the sport. We can't have kids suffering head trauma, beating the crap out of each other in a locker room as summoned by the coaching staff. And this isn't high-level hockey people. What I'm saying is the culture seeps through at every level and infects dressing rooms from players in the single-age digits all the way up through the NHL. And if we need to make that change happen, it has to start on the personal level. You have to look in the mirror. You have to ask yourself, am I making the environment more inclusive? Am I doing my part to make women, people of color, and those disadvantaged welcome in the hockey world. Because otherwise, it is going to continue to be marginalized, continue to suffer in the ratings, continue to stagnate in its growth, and that's bad for everyone. There's also the case that you should just be a better human being, and that's just going to make your life better too. And that has been the manifesto. Yeah, here, here. Love it. You're absolutely right. And, you know, and then you got guys in the inbox. Go play basketball then. Get off my radio. Like, <laughs> yes, basketball, the sport that is doing laps around hockey yeah. in the public sphere. Like, it's replies like that that are just the reason why we need to have these conversations. It's ridiculous. Turn off your radio, buddy. Or, don't I mean, listen to us. Look, I'm, t- I'm tired of this crap. Don't, don't send in this kind of crap. If you want hockey, if you want more hockey games on the television, then you have to grow the sport. Yeah. Hey, let's unpack everything on the other side here. Wine aren't going to join us uh, for our monthly roundtable. And uh, guys, if you want to chime in, to, uh, text, text us at 104040, live at TSN1040.ca. Uh, you send in something like that, though, I'm going to put you on blast. I don't even care. I'm, I'm tired of this crap. This is Rink Wide. This is the show that always scores. It's right here on TSN 1040. show that always scores. J.D. Burke, myself, Andrew Wadden. We're joined by Wyatt Arndt from the Athletic in Vancouver and, of course, Trust the Process on Save on Radio. This is our end-of-the-month roundtable. There's usually four of us for this, but somebody backed out last minute. Drance. Coward. Coward. Did Drance back out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. He had work to do. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. And, and you know what I said to Drance as soon as he was like, I'm going to have to bow out, buddy. I was like, Howard, all caps, sent it back in text, and I'm calling him that on the air. I want him to feel the wrath. Well, isn't that Halford's thing, though? Isn't that you're stealing Bruff's line for Halford? I mean, I, I don't know because I don't listen to them. Yeah, I mean, they're, enough, they're both way. like way too old for me. That's on when Leafs Lunch is on for me, so I always, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> I knew you guys would like that one. All right, uh, Wyatt, uh, we, well, let's start with uh, what JD's manifesto there because we kind of like put it 
you put it out there, but we didn't have any time to really react. And I kind of yelled at somebody in the inbox for another ignorant reply that we get here. Uh, but just your your thoughts just on this whole Bill Peters situation, hockey culture. I know there are some people in the inbox that saying, guys, like, you know, hockey's all right. Like, the game's all right. We just need to work on, you know, X, Y, and Z off the ice. But you've played the game as well. Have you ever had any situation where, you know, you felt uncomfortable or seen somebody, you know, put into an uncomfortable spot? No, I think like you, like, I, I was lucky to have coaches that were, were hard on me, but nothing to that level, uh, which I'm grateful for. Because, like, I honestly, the idea of hazing to me is so yeah. barbaric and bizarre. Absolutely. I, I, honestly can't, I don't I have no, I, like, at the end of the day, you can say, yes, it brings people together as a team, but, like, in the most messed up way. That's not the way you should be doing that. Like, oh, yeah, like, we're a team now because of what the horrible things we went through. That's will never make sense to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like that sort of thing. It's people, I think, in Canada, because hockey is like such a part of our culture. I mean, that's the reason why Don Cherry was so loved, because like he made us feel hockey is who we are. And even like, when I was growing up, like, you know, you're Canadian, you love hockey. Like, it's a very proud thing to be happy about. So when we're talking about the stuff that is bad in hockey, I think people get defensive and they think it's like you're attacking what they like. And that's not the case. Like, we're trying to make it better. And all throughout the history, there's always things that kind of like society has improved on. So like hockey itself, yeah, we definitely should be cleaning it up. And, you know, uh, you know, people like, I was on Rafael last night, he's talking about, is there a statute of limitations on what Bill Peters did? No. Like, Absolutely I, no, not. Bill yeah. Peters, like, there's nothing yeah. to say that it was just one off day for him. Like, no yeah. way. And, and when you're an NHL coach, like, if you just work for Sears or whatever and you do something bad, yeah, you can make it a learning moment try and teach them but we're in the NHL like you've got a bigger responsibility because people are looking up to you and people are watching you and you're setting the tone so like you've got to like that's why there's moral clauses in all these co- coaches contracts yeah. and players contracts so. and, and it's a privilege to be yes. there not a right yeah. right and you've got to make sure that you're walking that line I mean put yourself in Akeem Aliyu's shoes yeah absolutely like think I, about I, the power dynamics yeah. there he's at such a disadvantage well and I said it on Rinkwa or sorry on Sports Saturday earlier I mean here's a guy people are like oh how come he's just coming out now we had a guy in the inbox go as far as to say that he's doing this for money and that it's comparable to what Colin Kaepernick was doing. Like, uh, pull your head out of your ass with that statement. Completely ignorant. The guy came out now because he finally feels he's, he can do it. Back then, he wanted to be a pro hockey player. Yep. He couldn't say anything because he was worried that, you know, the one thing that he wanted in life, and we're all trying to g- gain towards goals, he, you know, he felt that it would be in jeopardy. It's ridiculous. The power dynamics finally weren't against him. He yeah. didn't have the weight of hockey culture pressuring yeah. him and leveraging itself against him. And, I mean, what are you going to do in his shoes? I mean, yeah. that's your career on the line. Absolutely. And now he doesn't have to lose that, and that's why he's coming forward. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there are now there are some questionable things that are coming out from other players, and, and you know, we can kind of uh, run through that with a fine-tooth comb as, if we want to. Uh, Dan Carcillo had some uh, interesting stuff to say, and I, I say interesting because I don't know if I agree with everything that he's coming out and saying. I don't know the background, but seems to me like he's fine, kind of finding that uh, you know time to get in there and give his jabs, and you know that's that's not right. I want it to be that it's progressive and that we're what what's coming out, we're learning from, and then we can move on from. But uh, you know, if it's you know to use a term I hate, fake news kind of thing, that's when you know we get into these uh, uh, sort of muddy waters. But as far as the game is concerned, like as far as hockey's concerned, we are seeing, in my opinion, and I've seen. Hockey in the 80s, hockey in the 90s, the early 2000s, the dead buck stuff. I think we're seeing the best product we've ever seen on the ice. And, and I'm talking better than the 80s because back then, yeah, we had high goal, uh, goal scoring, but the goaltenders were crap. Yeah. Right? So, 
Well, yeah, the, the defense back then was pretty true. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's exactly. a lot. If you want, go watch systems the, question. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, yeah. since it was like, yeah, like the go look at '87. Uh, you know, Team Canada. Watch Gretzky play. How he himself was hooking everyone. Everyone's hooking him. Like it's a well, different game. On right? Canada's goal, where they. Oh yeah. They, like, <laughs> yeah. Who was it again? Was it? It wasn't Howard Chuck. Uh, uh, Larry Murphy was in that rush. Yeah. And but, then, yeah. Who did the big hook? Yeah, I know you're talking. It about. Oh been, it, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. think it was Howard. Chuck, I think it was Howard Chuck. My old man pointed that out to me recently, and I was like, Oh no. Yeah. You ruined this for me because. I'm like the biggest Mario Lemieux yeah, fan too. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a heartbreaking moment. Hey guys, and I was you know I was nine years old, so to me that was like my biggest moment in hockey. Right there was that '87 Canada Cup. But you're absolutely right; those games were, I believe, every game in that series was six five or yeah, something, yeah, six, felt, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. which is great. Yeah. Like, it, but it was really fun hockey. It to was watch. like it was. when the NHL Network puts on vintage games. Yeah, I'm watching that. Man. However, now we're seeing these type games, and I know Canuck fans might not want to hear this one, but that you know that that Pittsburgh game the other night six three. 14 minutes to go in the game. If 80 you're the, style goaltending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 8-6 <laughs> final. But if you're the fans uh, in Pittsburgh there, oh my God, did you get your money's worth that night? So the game itself, totally. you know, the, yeah, the goaltending can be shaky at times, but for the most part, you know, you have very solid forwards, very solid defense. Like there's, there's no holes in hockey nowadays. And I mean, on one hand, it's kind of like when you watch World Juniors and you see kind of the chaos and the ice can happen. It, it is a lot of fun. And so there are parts of hockey that I'd miss. And, you know, it could happen from like players being bad. You get star, star players can do a lot more stuff against them. So that was kind of fun to watch that chaos back then. But you're right. The talent level has never been better. Like everyone's got to be good. That's why enforcers are out of the game because you have to be good. Like, yeah, it's, it is a much like. That's why when you talk about like Gretzky in today's era and stuff, like there's a debate pack. Is like, he's like, look at it. Well, Betchen, he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. He is. He's 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. I agree as well. Right? Like, and then no just, arguments here. He's yeah. a unit. And it's like, you watch these players and they have to be so good. And like back in the old days, nothing against them. But like a lot of guys would come in on talent that smoke during intermissions, have their beers. And like today, you have to be an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I used smoke the on example. the bench. Yeah. So we, do, we did this thing on, on Sports Saturday today where I, I basically said, convince me otherwise. And I, I put out a statement and I wanted to hear people, people's argument. My statement was, Connor McDavid is the third best player in NHL history. Convince me otherwise, right? And as you start to look back at the players, like Mike Bossy has the third highest points per game average in NHL history. However, Mike Bossy used to be able to skate down the right wing and take a blast from, you know, that, that, that half wall almost and beat goalies. That does not happen nowadays. Like, it might happen once out of a hundred times sort of thing. Jake like Cannon doesn't are, like hearing that. Jake yeah. refuses to believe that. <laughs> Man, he was built for a different era. <laughs> he would have been great in the 80s. Yeah, he had the physique <laughs> Mike Gardner. He would have been of Mike an 80s hockey player. He had the, the mentality oh, yeah. of an 80s hockey player. Mike Gardner is a prime example of that. A it's guy that just... pure speed. He just beat yeah. bad defenders and get goals. You, you know what Mike Gardner is? And it was a great example. I think uh, either Matt or Blake used it. Is that Mike Gardner is like Frank Gore and Mike Gardner. They're they're the sort of the same person. Because Frank Gore just passed uh, Barry Sanders in yeah. rushing. Like, who's my idol, by the way? Or my I, idol I love up? Frank Gore. I've got the biggest But at the same time, it's like... When you start talking about the greatest, you know, running backs in NFL history, Frank Gore's name is not no, going to come up. No. But he's right up there. But Mike Gartner's kind of a, a good example of yeah. that as well. Um, so now that we're like, you know, the Bill Peters stuff, yeah. Like we've 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 been talking about it all week. It's been exhausted everywhere across any sort of sports platform. But let's look at the flames themselves right now. Because here you have a team, top of the West last year. Clearly we know what happened in the playoffs, and now they are struggling. And before this whole situation happened, uh, with the Bill Peters stuff, like Bill Peters' seat was getting hot. And this is a team that and I'm wondering, is how much panic is there in Calgary right now? 
I think for them, like it's, it's not at this convenient time, but like for Bill Peters, they can get rid of him because they probably were leaning towards a coaching change and they kept going that direction. So like it was made easier for that. And I mean, it, it is weird because you're hearing the now talking fans like, should we trade Johnny Hockey? Should we get rid of this kid? You're like, what are you talking about? Like there is panic there for sure. And I mean, there's a lot of expectations on that team because even I, like every last couple of seasons, I'm like, okay, Calgary's going to be one of the top teams. And they just, for whatever reason, aren't able to put it together. So um, there's definitely got to be some panic there. JD, do you think there's any smoke to that fire of perhaps trading Johnny Hockey? Oh, I, I think if you're a Canucks fan, you got to be like praying to whatever deity to make that happen because you never win those trades. You never, you never, yeah. you yeah. never win those trades, and they but always could, fight you could in the you rear do end. Something like mm, perhaps uh, never happened in division. I know where you're no, no. going. No, no, oh, no, no. I don't know. Cujo for maybe Taylor Hall, especially if there was a sign in a sign in trade. If there was a sign in trade, then you might have a pretty Hall's compelling. That, but yeah. yeah, I mean, apparently Hall is actually open to coming back. To the Edmonton Oilers, yeah, which is why wouldn't you be? Well, here's the thing: the craziest part about that trade was the fact that Taylor Hall. Like, if you ask me to build Connor McDavid's ideal left winger, it's Taylor Hall. Like, yeah. I cannot think of a player with a better skill set for him than the one that they dealt away for pennies on the dollar. Uh, would he go to Calgary? I I don't know. Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I'm sure he'd love to stick it to all the uh, sycophants in the Edmonton media that sewered him on the way out. Can you imagine? Oh, he would love that. Guys, it feels like he wants to go to market, though. Yeah, I mean, they was hearing the rumors of, like, Colorado. That Maybe he thinks of it being a good fit. Imagine playing in Colorado. That oh would be really good for his oh. career, right? Like, imagine that. <laughs> so, I mean, they're already, like, the fastest team in yeah. hockey by, like, a mile. They need a goaltender, though, don't you think? Colorado? Yeah. Well, Grubauer's holding his own, man. Yeah, but, he, I mean, is he? Is are you confident that he can lead a team to a Stanley Cup? I don't know He was money in last year's playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's one of the, it's one of those things with Grubauer where he's been good enough that you just have to find out. It's uh, not we, like you can give up on him. I don't think you'll find a sure bet. Uh, we just had someone in the inbox here uh, saying, uh, I think it was Doug Crossman. It wasn't Doug Crossman uh, in that Canada Cup. I don't even think Doug Crossman played for Canada on that team. I could be wrong with that. And he's also saying Grant Fear wasn't crap. I'll agree with you on that. Grant Fear wasn't crap, but Grant Fear in today's day and age would not be. I mean, he'd be, he'd be, be like an ECHL. Uh, I don't know if he'd be ECHL. In today's game? I think he'd be average still. I mean, look at the save percentages from that era. Yeah. But, like, which goalie would be good in today's game from the 80s? Like, Actually, that's a, a, that's game, a really fair... Right? Yeah. I usually try to evaluate players in the context of when they played. Because, I mean, like, if you put Ovechkin in the 80s, who, I, he might have outscored Gretzky. So that's a fair point. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, you know... Patrick Waugh. There. <laughs> go foot in your mouth on that one. Yeah, Waugh, I mean, he yeah. came in in 86. So yeah. he's still got the... Uh, but, yeah, I mean, maybe even, uh, you know, although we, we didn't get to see it all, but Pelly Lindbergh, perhaps. Uh, oh, that's true. Uh, the yeah. late Pelly Lindbergh, who was in my... Uh, I'm uh, Growing up, I loved him. And then to hear that, too, and especially nowadays with, you know, the way social media is and all that, I mean, that would just hit us right away. Whereas when when, when I was younger, like that, you, you know, it was like, what? Like, Pelly what? And then you're, like, racing to the... The, the paper the next morning to see uh, exactly what happened. As far as uh, the Canucks are concerned here, guys, um, this November's been interesting. Uh, I think we found out, and I know at the start of the month, a lot of people were saying, well, we're really going to find out what this Canucks team is. And I asked the uh, the people on Twitter today uh, with our poll question, it's American Thanksgiving weekend, so... 
are the Canucks a playoff team? And right now, uh, it's over 200 votes, but it's split 50-50. Wyatt, your thoughts on that? Um, sorry, what was the question? I was looking at the Howard Chuck goal. Give me the question one more time. It was Howard Chuck goal. It was the hook. Sorry. It was Howard Chuck. Do it one more time. Sorry, boy. Come on. I had to know. Uh, <laughs> I love I'm it. so fresh. Durant, I'm so sorry. You shouldn't uh, be here. <laughs> yeah. Canucks, playoff team. It's American Thanksgiving. Oh. Playoff team or not? Um, I mean, again, this is one of the things where before we started the season, we're all like, okay, this team is going going to be fighting for the playoffs. And October, they did good. October, they did bad. And, and they are what they are. I think they are a team fighting for the playoffs. Um, I still think they're going to be a playoff team. I don't, I don't know if that's crazy of me, but I do think they're going to be able to piece it together. Um, obviously, if the injuries kick in, then it's going to be probably much like last the year. Injuries have kind of already kicked in. Yeah, but like Not to the stars. Yeah, Ether and Tanev is what I'm talking about. Sorry, Ether and Tanev, yeah. that's when it gets really dicey for this team. Um, so I think if the defense holds up, then I think they're a playoff team, I do. So here we are today with uh, the Bo Horvat line and uh, you know JT Miller there. Where he's been with Horvat for a couple games now. Um, and then you've got Louis Erickson there. And the argument is, well, they're going to be matched up against uh, you know, the juggernaut that is McDavid and Dreisaitl. That is we, a we, we need them. Yeah. We need them defensively. Um, so now I have to ask this then. So how important is it going to be to get the likes of, I don't want to say Beagle and um, uh, like well, maybe even Mott like, or, or even Antoine Roussel back in the lineup. I mean, that's pressing right now uh, if you're putting someone like Erickson up on that line. Yeah, I think the, the, the fourth line back when they had it together, Schaller, uh, Beagle, and... Uh, oh, Mott. let me tell you about Mott. Schaller. <laughs> but that fourth line was doing well. And again, it was October, so a lot of things were looking better, so we can't fully know how well it was going to do. But, I mean, uh, with the way the team's been playing, I think Harmon Dale had a great uh, article in The Athletic showing how like the forwards aren't supporting their defense in November, and whether that's fatigue or the team just kind of, you know, the water finding its ground. Uh, it, I don't know what the case is, but, you know, definitely... When it comes to watching Bo Horvat, they've been utilizing him so much, giving him so much ice time, and he is in that shutdown role, and then that's kind of how Green rolls. Like, that's the question comes up. Like, if you have an injury to Beagle and Sutter, is that like a condemnation routine that you can't survive those injuries to your bottom six? But I just think it's kind of how Green coaches. Like, he does kind of like to match up those guys in defensive situations. Now, should he rely on them as defensively? That's another question. But with the way Green coaches, you are now relying heavily on Bo Horvat. His involvement in the offense has dropped. He is using it as a matchup guy, and I can't blame Green. Like, when you've got McGinn coming in, who, who else is going to take that on? Like, Adam Gaudet is not, not, up yeah. to, uh, not up to the NHL standard defensively. Yeah, like he, I, he, I think he can that, score some goals, but he's got definitely got some work to do on he, the two-way game. He's analogous to Brandon Sutter. But what the Canucks need is somebody analogous to Jay Beagle. And they don't have that right now. And that means that Bo Horvat's playing 20, 22, 24 minutes a night. Uh, it's it's a really tough spot for him to be in. I really don't envy Green right now. I think that the Canucks, though, I mean, I do wonder if we're at the point where they need to start getting creative. And and trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Like, maybe call up a uh, Francis Perron. Maybe call up a Lucas Yashik. Because, I mean, what's the difference between that and six minutes of Tyler Grauvac? Really? Like, I, I, yeah. Please, somebody tell me what is the difference, I, I, right? Just to me, I'm like, I'm just wondering, like, how long, like, what, how many shifts is Louis going to get with this line? Like, are we just going to see what we've just seen, and that's nine minutes of Louis and you know nothing in terms of uh, productivity? Because guys, like, zero goals, zero assists. And let me do the math. Zero points. Like, right? This is this is just getting ridiculous. And I had someone tell me the other day that. The reason why they will not send Erickson down to the minors is because Jim doesn't want to swallow another contract that, you know, big contract that he's had to ditch down to the minors. You, you know, Gagne and there's been a few, you know, Berchi down there now as well. I mean, like at the end of the day, just swallow your pride. The guy's terrible. Why is he even with the team? 
You know, you you rattled off a bunch of guys that you could bring up to try to fill that said role. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and these there are voices within the organization, too, who echo these these sentiments. And they're going, you know, what, what's the point in having all these draft picks, all these players that we feel strongly in if they're never going to get a shot? Right. And the example that this this one voice said was was only you levy. He's going, what? What? Why are we talking about him as an injury call up in the second half? Like, why'd we even bother drafting him? Yeah. And they're starting to ask those questions about Lucas Yashik not playing on the second power play in Utica. Yeah. How do you justify that? Francis Perron is putting up crazy numbers. Why don't? Why not give him a look? He's twenty three years old. You can capture something there. Yeah. And, and you go up and down the list, right? I mean, at some point, you have to give them a chance to sink or swim. And and some players perform better at the NHL level than AHL. I know one is a bit of a way to Audra for the other. I get that. But at a certain point, right, you have to give them a shot. Otherwise, what's the point? All right. Let's take a short break here. On the other side, let's take a look at the road ahead for the Canucks and try to sort of break down uh, how we see things happening. Because, hey, they're coming off their toughest stretch of the year with uh, that road trip that's wrapping up to tonight in Edmonton. So we'll break down what is ahead for the Canucks coming up next right here on Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores on TSN 1040. VancouverJobShop.ca presents the world's worst boss. The one who posts jobs on huge national job sites looking for anyone with a pulse. We'll just call him Dave. And now a word from Andrew's boss, Dave. Thank you and may I say what a beautiful service. Everyone at the office will miss Andrew. He was kind, quick with a joke and great with quarterly P&L reports. He will never be replaced in our hearts. However, my accounting department needs someone ASAP. Uh, I think that's enough. One last thing, Padre. My favorite Andrew memory was when he came into interview. He told me he got a bachelor's in whatever accountants get and I figured some of his college buddies might be here who got the same thing and need a job. Wow, that's inappropriate. But it reminds me of the last thing Andrew said to me. I think you should leave. How did you know? Don't be a Dave. Find your perfect local employee at VancouverJobShop.ca Local jobs that work. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster bosses everywhere. They post jobs on the big national job boards because they really don't care. Please do not write us to tell us you're a Dave who was insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Points back uh, if the Oilers are able to sweep. So pretty big games uh, without mentioning here on Saturday, tonight and tomorrow. But we got Tuesday. You got the Ottawa Senators in town, and then after that, Wyatt, look who's making a their first and only stop to Rogers Arena. I know you're loving it because you you're wearing your Dominic Hasek jersey here. Your Buffalo Sabers, and it's an afternoon game. It's nice. Are, are you doing the uh, um, the uh, it's not the Athletics anymore? I'm blanking. The Army. The the Army. Army. So, no, no, I, I specifically requested that game off. Oh, yeah, so I yeah. want to watch this one. Enjoy. Yeah. Are, you, are you sitting? Are you going to do the fan thing for that one? Or I, I think I might have to. I think yeah. I'm going to have to. Yeah, say, which team? Oh man, uh, it's like Sabers. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see a good game. I just hey, like watching the two somehow teams. less stressful. Yeah, it is. Honestly. Like I don't have to write about it, so I just get to enjoy it. Whatever happens, happens. The week after that, guess who's in town? <clears throat> You guys know. <laughs> so let's just, I, I think I know what team is in town. I want to hear the team name. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Jason Croker on the one. Oh, Croker, I love you, buddy. Uh, so that's five five home games in a row after uh, tonight. Uh, you know, I think this goes without saying here, guys. And these are opponents that they, they can beat. They should be able to beat the Sens. You know, Buffalo's a tougher team this year, so I'm not going to give them that one. Uh, and then the week after that, you got Toronto and then uh, Carolina before you head back out on the road for uh, two games with the Sharks. And and the Golden Knights. So, you know, you're looking at this road right now, and these have been
Edmonton games, I think, are starting to look a little bit bigger now because, you know, you find yourself 11 points out and then facing a Sens team that has nothing to lose. Like, they, they can play as free as they want to, no expectations you know, of sorts, at least. No payments, uh, no salary for anybody in the organization. Right? So, you know, this, this, is a pretty, this is a pretty crucial step here, or uh, stage here uh, for the Canucks as they head into this uh, homestand. Yeah, I think uh, we talked in October about how they were banking a lot of points and they needed to, and obviously November showed that's that's why. I mean, they're in a playoff position because of those points, so December is kind of the crucial month, and we always talk about like when do you get a good read in a team, and I think after two months we, we were starting to get a solid read of it, so now we're going to see can this team, you know... Recover. They had the long road trip. Now they're at home. They have the matchups. They kind of see what happens. Like we've got guys returning to the lineup. Roussel's going to be back, and Setter and Beagle will probably be back at that time. So Green's going to have all his his soldiers in line, and we're going to see what he can do with it. And uh, they, look, you read out the schedule. I think it is a tough schedule. I think Buffalo. You know, they are hit or miss, but they do have you know good scoring talent. You know, Sharks are going to be a tough they're, team. They're, Buffalo's kind of right where Vancouver. Well, like Vancouver, they had that yeah. hot hot yep. October, and yeah. then November. You know, they've got a defenseman Ristolainen and that's you know analytically is is a tire fire, and you yep. know, but people around the league still kind of love them, so uh, they've got their own issues, but I do think it is going to be a tough stretch, and it's starting with Edmonton, like that's after a game like Pittsburgh, I know it's, it's kind of cliche, but you got to hope that the Canucks do come out fired up, because like they really, like I watched that game, and even talking to players, you kind of see like, that was, a, that was a really disappointing game, and it felt it felt worse than a lot of the other losses this season, just because like they had that one, and like just for it to slip away with like poor attention to detail, and not getting their guys sitting back and being passive. Like, it wasn't like they were going toe-to-toe and trading chances. No, they just sat back. And the goal that made me, like, most frustrated was watching Edler back off of Malkin yeah. and letting him just tee it up. Like, yeah. Edler is... Oh. Man, if this November is any indication, I'm, I'm worried for the Canucks on that front. Because Edler is starting to look like a 34-year-old defenseman who has to play 25 minutes a night. He has looked frankly terrible and I'm not trying to say that to sewer Alexander Edler this is what was bound to happen if they leaned on him to the extent that they did yeah anybody could have seen this coming and it's kind of weird it's a bit of a catch-22 because what do you do if you're in Travis Green's shoes I yeah. mean, there, there's more depth. You can take, what, maybe two minutes off of Alexander Edler's plate? What type of a difference does that make? Well, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know at this point. And it's so weird, too, because as you look along this road trip, of course, the 6-1 uh, shellacking that they took uh, at ho- or, uh, on the road to Dallas, and then, you know, they, they, they follow that up with a, a, which a weird win over the Preds, because the Preds are a weird team right now. You can beat them 6-3, but then, yet, the Preds kind of outplay you at the same time. That one's just a head-scratcher. The Washington game is really where I thought, okay, they're going to take a corner here because, man, that was a great game. A good goaltending battle. They're able to uh, squeeze it out in a really tough barn to, to play in in Washington. They follow it up with that Philadelphia game, which I'm sorry, like I just want that erased from my memory because yeah. it was one of the worst games that I've watched all season. But then, of course, referencing the, the Pittsburgh game too, guys. And uh, again, you want to talk about lively barns to play in. Man, Pittsburgh. Like, I just, I, I mean, I, they've been, you know, have a wealth of riches over the years, whether it's, you know, Lemieux, Yager, and now Malkin and Crosby, of course, right? Uh, but then tonight, you know, in Edmonton, and again, this is this is one of those ones where I just have no idea what Canucks team is going to show up tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I have a good idea of that either. I mean, we've seen so many different versions throughout this month, and that's what I was saying earlier. It's It's a team that can't get in sync. When one part is firing on all, all cylinders, you got Thatcher Demko putting in the worst performance of his career, right? Like, I, I think that team deserved to win 
against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And and there have been quite a few performances like that, where a goaltender, for example, puts in a terrific night and then the defense lets him down. And that's been the story of this November. Yeah, it's been a lot of feast or famine. Like, you know, sometimes the power play is working, sometimes it's not. Look at October, they're out shooting everyone. Now, November, they can't out shoot anyone. So it's yep. been like, you don't know what's going on with the team. And yeah, there is some, some of those shot differentials lately, man, are yeah. just grim. Yeah. Like, like that's a, that, it looks like a team that's falling apart a little bit. Like, yeah. you can kind of, like, you peek under the hood and you start seeing more smoke than was leaking through, you know? Yeah. It, it definitely feels like. <laughs> November might have worn them down, and that's why I think December is so important to see that, okay, fine, that excuse is now out of the way. Because every team has road trips, but that was a tough one for them. Now they're at home. How can they recover from this? And it, it, is, it does feel like, did Travis, again, I, I feel sorry for Travis Green. He's got a tough thing to work with, but did he go too far in October trying to bank those points, riding Edler so hard, yeah. and now riding Horvat? And I understand you want to get those points, but like, did he have other options? I don't know. Because I do, I do want, I think Stetcher needs Bryce time. I think right now they could maybe lean a little bit. But like, even look at someone like Jordy Ben. His play is plummeting now. Like, yep. on that one goal, McCann undressed him. And it's like, yeah. he looks like he's, he's late in the play. And when you start getting comparison to good Branson on your reads, like, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So. Well, well let's, let's pivot then because I'm starting to see the public turn on Travis Green. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how yeah. do we feel about Travis Green? Uh, I'll give the floor to, to you, Odd. Uh, I'm concerned about his deployment. I mean, it is yeah. like what you just said there. You know, I mean, you're overusing guys. You're overusing Edler, overusing Horvat, and then it's starting to see the trickle-down effect. And, you know, maybe Jordy Ben needs to play a little bit more to be able to try and get to his game back. I don't know, right? But Or maybe uh, he needs to play on the right side. Yeah, Because that's what a lot well. of people in Montreal yep. said, that he yep. was way better playing on his offside. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting dynamic and I don't know how they work it because everybody on the right side is healthy for a change. Yeah, where, where do you sit on him, Wyatt? With, with Travis Green in general, I'm I'm generally a, a, a decent fan of his. I think he does a good job, but I do think, yeah, I think with any team that's going to struggle, you're going to start questioning a lot of what they're doing. And like October, we're like, hey, everything's fine. And there was a bit of debate about stuff he's doing, but it, it tends to come down. Like, look at Elaine Vigneault in Vancouver. Before they got to their great era, like, there was a lot of questions about what he was doing. And like, his defense always was, I'm working with what I have with the team. And their rosters weren't that great. Like, Jeff Cowan is scoring goals. You're playing him like... The Broadberry. Yeah, the Broadberry yeah. is doing work for you. Like, he did have... And to be fair, like the management did talk to him and work with him to kind of make him be more offensive. So it wasn't all just that. But I do think at this point, Green is working with the roster he has. He's going to make certain choices that maybe I don't agree with. I think he might rely on veterans a little too much. Um, I know Drance would disagree with me. He loves those veterans. But oh, oh, boy, does he, he ever. loves them. Hey, don't Goldobin. you even mention Goldobin, <laughs> I know, man. gets him riled up. Well, He's not here to defend himself. Yeah. <laughs> and you made the point, though, that he has to deal with the roster that he has. Well, this is the thing. This is my issue right now. Is that If Jim Benning, just swallow your pride and get rid of Louie. Like, get rid of the guy. He's, he's, he's nothing. He's he's not playing. He's barely playing for you. When he's out there, he's doing nothing. By the way, guys, uh, out-of-town scoreboard right now, this is big right now. The Montreal Canadiens wow, have just fallen in overtime to the Philadelphia Flyers. And, oh, yeah, beautiful move. Him. Provorov. Oh, beautiful. They're, uh, they're paying Provorov less than the Canucks are Brock Besser. And that's not me trying to take a shot at the Canucks. That's me giving Cliff now, Fletcher his due for Montreal, some terrific work there. Montreal gets a point out of this. I get that. But that's seven in a row. You know, I know there's the win list and all that. Let's let's be honest here. That's seven in a row now for Montreal. That's quite the panic. Also out of town scoreboard today, guys, uh, New York Rangers uh, topping the New Jersey Devils 4 nothing. And, hey, uh, Pierre Lebrun reporting that uh, the Devils are listening uh, to uh, LeBron, uh, uh, Taylor Hall offers right now. Also, breaking news. This just came out. I don't know if it's breaking news, but we finally heard from Ron France 
Francis. He released the statement, and uh, well, you got to figure out who's lying here because I don't know if you guys saw Jeff Baker from uh, the Seattle Times uh, with his uh, story last week about Peter Carmanos, the uh, ex-owner of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, saying that uh, he would have fired Bill Peters in a nanosecond had he had known about the player abuse allegations from Francis. Well, Francis has released a statement saying, when I was the general manager in Carolina, after a game, a group of players and hockey staff members made me aware of the physical in, uh, incidents involving two players and Bill Peters. I took this matter very seriously. I took immediate action to address the matter and briefed ownership. To my knowledge, no further such incidents occurred. It would have been inappropriate for me to comment publicly while an active investigation was being conducted by another team. I will not comment on this matter any further. Holy guys, somebody is lying here. And this is just going to get bigger and bigger because, you know, I know Sakaris was on it. He was, you know, where's Ron Francis? Why have we not heard from Ron Francis? You know, and then, of course, Gary Bettman, too. Like, where's the leadership here, right? Bettman didn't really come out and say much as well. Yeah. So it looks like this story is going to get bigger and bigger. But, man, I'm wondering, and I talked to J.D. about this early before you came on, Wyatt, like, could Claude Julian be the next coach fired in the NHL? It's this is like no one's looking good in this situation. I just want to say like it looks like everyone's trying to point the finger and trying to avoid it. And like because I think Ron Francis then extended Peters after this incident anyway. Yeah. So it's like who's yeah. I mean at this point we're looking at like which coach everyone's playing that game. Which coach got called out next? Like we're even seeing like a couple days ago that everyone's like looking at Mark Crawford's history and like yeah. that makes sense. I, I you brought see that it? Up, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It like, makes total sense because all the stories like even that brings back the the Todd Bertuzzi incident when he was saying like like Crawford's on my ear like to do that. Like you look at it now and you can almost see Crawford lose his mind. Like go out there and do your job and like what Crawford was like. Like, he's going to punch me in the head if I'm, I'm going to punch him in the head first. Like it's, yeah. such a, it's such a bad dynamic. So I think a lot of coaches are probably looking in their closet right now wondering what's going to come their way. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough times right now in the NHL. And again, uh, you know, like I said earlier, the product's never been better than it is on the ice right now. But off the ice, whew, it's a blank storm. All right, on the other side, going to put a bow on the show. This is Rinkwide. It's the show that always scores on TSN 1040. The Salvation Army Hope in the City Breakfast takes place December 4th at the Vancouver Convention Center West. Ring in the holiday season and recognize the importance and impact of philanthropy in our communities. This year's keynote speaker is Dragon's Den personality and entrepreneur Arlene Dickinson. More info at hopeinthecity.ca. TSN 1040 wants your help to build Toy Mountain. Bring your new unwrapped toy or cash donation in support of the Salvation Army to Guilford Town Center December 5th and 6th. TSN 1040 will be broadcasting there live both days. Brought to you by TSN 1040. CTV, Alpine Credits, and Surrey Honda. Full details at tsn1040.ca. Catch up on any show you missed on TSN 1040 by simply downloading the podcast at tsn1040.ca. All of the daily and weekly shows are available, plus play-by-play and more. TSN 1040 podcasts are powered by Metro Ford. Follow TSN 1040 on Instagram and TSN underscore 1040 for all the latest promotions, sports updates, and contests. That's TSN underscore 1040. Right now, we should start the show. Now, more of Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's JD Burke and Andrew Watt. And welcome back to Rink Wide. It's the show that always scores. It's the end of the month roundtable. JD, myself, and Wyatt aren't in studio right here. One last segment to go. 
And we uh, we just well we just had a bit of breaking news come out with that uh, Ron Francis statement. So we'll see where this goes now between uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, a former owner, and Peter Carmanos uh, and uh, Ron Francis. Little uh, he said she said thing going on here. So we'll have to uh, see what transpires with that. <laughs> I mean, it seems like we've got news every single day happening around hockey right now, at least off the ice. That is uh, today's poll question, which we started uh, during Sports Saturday this morning was it's American Thanksgiving weekend are the Canucks going to be a playoff team and uh, we got a low low turner ver, uh, ver, voter turnout in English uh, 214 votes 50-50 right now uh, so uh, the fan base uh, divided right now on whether this Canucks team is going to be a playoff team and when I asked um, the people this because it is American Thanksgiving weekend and of course a lot of people use that as a, a gauge in terms of uh, whether a team is going to make the playoffs or not unless of course you're the St. Louis Blues from last year who uh, ended up turning things around. Uh, when were they? What was it late December they were last place, Jaden? January 1st, even. Yeah, that's right. Uh, guys, we do have a contest. It's the second year in a row that we've partnered with the good uh, our good friends at uh, Wired Snowboards. And they have, they're giving away a snowboard uh, to give away... For us, for, for the listeners. So we're going to do a four-week contest here uh, using the code word. So today's code word is Cypress, C-Y-P-R-E-S-S. Text that to 104040 with your full name, or you can also email live at tsn1040.ca. The code word, Cypress, and it's easy to spell, and your full name. Uh, text or email that in right now. Uh, we'll do four weeks of that, and then on December 21st, somebody's getting themselves a new snowboard uh, for the holidays. Guys, some parting words here as we uh, get set for the Canucks and the Oilers. Home and home tonight and tomorrow in Edmonton and then, of course, back home here at Rogers Arena. Uh, JD, how do you see things shaking out tonight for the for the home team? First things first, we got a really good text and and uh, I, I just I feel compelled to read this on the air. It is, oh wow, we just got like a hundred different texts there. I mean, big response. Uh, good show show Taj the blueberry guy. Yeah, he's so. a, <laughs> <laughs> no Taj. Is, if you, I, I mean, of course, I'm in this inbox, you know, six days a week, and and Taj the blueberry guy is a regular contributor. And oh, I thought yeah. that was Taj. No, it's I, not the. Oh, it's not okay, that Taj. Okay. It's I thought he was having Taj. a bit of a laugh with us. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, Taj the blueberry guy is a, is a regular contributor. We appreciate you listening. I mean, he is what you call an A one listener here in the market. He's got TSN 1040 absolutely locked. And hey, who could blame him? It's the best sports talk radio. Uh, in Vancouver, uh, guys, uh, I'll hit it. Uh, and, well, you never actually gave me what you thought to what what these next two games are going to be. Well, I, I couldn't tell you. I think that's the the message for, from me going into this is that they've been so unpredictable this month that I, I'd hate to put something on record in terms of a prediction and end up looking like an idiot 30 seconds later because that's just the way that this month has played out. Yeah. So I think uh, a volatile and I'm kind of, you know, leery of using this words, but I mean, even a little bit of a fragile team. It'll be interesting to see which direction it goes in. Look, guys, uh, I know Drance was too much of a coward to appear today, yeah. uh, but I'm not. I'm a hero. I want to make a prediction. Oh, five nothing Canucks. Fuck! Wow. Whoa. If I am wrong, is no Nico Koskinen? <laughs> I'm putting nothing on the line. Okay, fair, fair. Could you guys see something like this though tonight, where maybe one side blows out the other, and then we have a that's JD a said. That's yeah. what this team is. Like if they yeah. came out there, got five goals. I'd be like, that's right what now. they do. Like yeah. they just, I don't know. Maybe the power play is clicking. Who how knows? About, how about this over under for? 
Louis ice time tonight? I've got it at ten minutes. Uh, Six point nine minutes at five on five. So you're nice. going. You're going. <laughs> Thanks. You're bud. going under. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's the thing. I think it speaks back to JD's point. Like if you're just going to play Erickson for seven minutes, let's say even if you're a guy who loves veterans and you believe in Erickson. So Drance. Yeah, Drance. So you're Drance. Yeah. You love Erickson's veteran presence for seven minutes. Why not play a rookie? Because you're that's seven minutes. You can shield those pretty good. And, and the thing is, like has. you can find out if there's more there. Yeah. Right. Like we know exactly what Louis Erickson yeah. is. Unfortunately. So that's why I'm saying bring up the kids. Let's see yep. if we can catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe I would be happy if we could have a Ronald's Cannons moment again. Yeah, you know what? Reed Boucher. Why not? Why <laughs> Why not? I'll take him over Erickson because that shot. Exactly. That's he's already a, a shot, boys. He's a professional hockey yep. player. Uh, Wyatt, thanks for joining us as always here for our end of the month roundtable. Uh, hopefully we'll get another guy in with us next week or next month to be put up the foursome here. But uh, appreciate you uh, coming in today. For J.D. Burke, I'm Andrew Wadden. Thanks for listening, everybody. Jason Croker for producing the show. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you again next Saturday. On Black Friday, some wait in line. Others just get ahead. Black Friday is on at GMC. Until December 2nd, get 25% MSRP cash credit on the 2019 Sierra 1500 Limited Double Cab. Plus, get a $750 Black Friday bonus. Now that's doing Black Friday like a pro. Hurry into your dealer or visit gmcoffers.ca for details.